What's up? This is Noah Shock, and you're listening to the Casually Spiritual Podcast. Hey, Alec here with the next episode of the Casually Spiritual Podcast, a show where we share the lives of everyday people living an everyday life in faith. Today is one of my best friends, Noah Shock. We're childhood friends, brothers in Christ, and actually, he's one of the first people that inspired me to start this podcast and know I wanted to make a platform to share the stories of my friends and what God is doing in their life. Noah is one that's really going to help with if you feel like you're in an impossible situation or in something that really no one you know could be going through the same thing. He's had such a positive outlook on life, though, that I hope you catch on to it and really get inspired by that. Trust me going to want to hear the full story. Without spoiling it, I know about 99% of people listening may not relate to a specific thing, but that doesn't mean God can't use him to influence you. In fact, I hope this episode does the opposite, but that it does inspire somebody out there. This is one of my favorite episodes, and so let's just go ahead and get to it. Hey everybody, Alec here. I'm your host, and like you heard a moment ago, I have one of my closest friends here, Noah Randolph Shock. Yep, that's the name. Do we already do we know each other like that? Can I introduce the world as Randolph? Yes, you could. We have the worst middle names ever. I know. Um, I, I share it with my dad. I don't know if it's like a generational thing, but I don't feel obligated to give it to my kid because I don't know. You're going to kill the Sh- Randolph Shock bloodline. I, maybe I've thought about it. I just don't want another. I don't know. First off, your Randolph. dad named you Noah, and actually, you said the other day he wanted a different name for you. My dad originally wanted to name me Presto. My mother wanted <laughs> to name me Dakota. They settled on Noah. I don't know how they got. Wait, there. that doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't make any sense. And I think if my name was, I think I'd prefer Presto over Dakota. I'm telling you this right now. If your name was Presto, you would not be sitting in this chair. <laughs> I would not be on this podcast if my name was Presto. You would be the most irrelevant person to me. <laughs> Presto Randolph Shock doesn't ring as well, I guess. Noah Presto. Noah Presto. It's like a brand name. What if I name my firstborn son Presto? Would you want to be friends with me at that point? Let me ask a hypothetical question. Are Would you okay you... with your son getting beat up every day at school? <laughs> Would it, it train him to be tough. He'd be like a, I don't know, he'd have like a cool backstory or something. No, he'd have a destroyed back and broken bones. That's fair. That's disgusting. Would you let your kids play with my kids if one of them was named Presto? I don't even know if I'm going to play with your kids if your kid was named Michael. What's wrong with Michael? I don't know. Your kids could be dumb. They well, uh, hmm. okay. Now everybody actually thinks I'm a jerk. I've literally only made fun of you, and we're like two minutes in. Well, I don't know. If they're dumb, they'll figure it out. I, I, I feel like this. Don't you just called your kids dumb? I, your future wife is listening to this and now knows her kids are going to be dumb. Well, it wouldn't be my fault, and I don't know if it'd be her fault. You could just called your future wife dumb. It, I. Mm. <laughs> um, sorry if you're out there i think you're gonna be amazing well look, at least i really hope you are <laughs> at the time of recording this he is single so let us know if you want to hit him up i you know here's the thing you're gonna have to drive me you're the first single person i've had on so far oh wow so, i'm honored i've made my i've talked about me being single but that's not the point <laughs> so <laughs> but uh <laughs> now that's not the point <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Oh, uh, but I guess now people have an idea kind of what our friendship is. But in, in your own, what I like to do is in your own words, 
how did we become friends? Talk about the beginning of our friendship. And I kind of think I know where you're going to start with. I literally hated this guy, and I don't know why. I hated The feeling him. was mutual. <laughs> the feeling was mutual. And, like, I don't remember. I met him in junior high. We were grew up in Fort Smith, Arkansas together, and we went to Chaffin. And shout that's out. where I met him. Uh, shout out to the fort. And I don't remember what caused it. Uh, we I remember playing Xbox with him, like over like playing Halo Three online together, and we had mutual friends. But I literally could not stand Alec, uh, and he could not stand me. And I remember one day he came up to me by where you used to buy snacks at school when school was out, and he walked up and he was like, "Hey, what's up, Naka?" And he called me that name, and he was really nice to me, and I was really confused. I think, but one- then after that, we were cool. <laughs> I think like, one day I, I just decided. I don't know why I hate Noah. I think it's because I had friends that like tolerated you, and we decided Noah's not that cool. But um, now I really do sound like a terrible person. I, well, at the time we kind of both were, I guess. I, I was a terrible person. Um, these are that was BC Noah and Alex. You were a skater boy. I was a lot of. Words. I said, "See you later, boy." <laughs> yeah, I was Abercrombie wearing. Boot cut jeans having Disgusting. long, long, long Bieber haircut wearing you white were, boy. You were so cute. You were so basic. Yeah, I was pretty basic. It was disgusting. When, after I, after I met, I, after I met Jesus, one of the best practical things that he did in my life was to get me out of Abercrombie clothes. <laughs> That's honestly one of the better things. God doesn't like Abercrombie kids. Listen, if you're out there, I'm, I'm telling you right now, there's something better for you. God has a plan for you, and it was not Abercrombie. God's not in Abercrombie. God is not in Abercrombie. Satan runs Hollister. Yes. But, <laughs> um, sure. uh, but that's, a, that's a cool idea. Actually, around this time when we actually started becoming friends, I think part of it, you started becoming a Christian. You were a Christian way before me. Um, kind of give us a real quick, uh, if you could, a rundown of your testimony, what that looked like. Well... I grew up, you know, my parents like went to church and whatnot, and I did that. And growing up in the Bible Belt, you know, most people in the area are Christian to some extent. You know, most people like go to church, at least on Easter and Christmas, pray before their meals and stuff like that. And that was my exposure to Jesus. Once I started getting a little bit older, my parents divorced. Uh, that How old were kinda, you? I was seven when that happened. Okay. Um, and that affected my life a whole lot. I did joint custody, so I switched houses every week, and well, that's a lot to take in. Yeah. It's a whole lot. But when I got a little older and hit junior high, um, I had done church camp in the summer. I'd you know done stuff like that that kept me around like Christianity and people that love Jesus. Were you like a kid at church camp that got saved every year? Kinda. Yeah, okay. I was that kid for a while. Um, but one time, I don't know why. Really, but I went on this mission trip with uh, one of my cousins, and when I was there, I felt like God told me just to kind of get up and start saying stuff during like this sharing time circle thing that we did there, and I preached like a three-minute sermon. How old were you? I was 14. Oh, okay. This was like the prime of Noah being a punk. I didn't know if you were talking like an eight-year-old kid, like, God loves you. No, it was like, I was like 14 and it was, oh, God loves you. the day, the next day, it was like on a Wednesday night of the thing. The next day, I, God called me into ministry. There wasn't like any altar call for like, Hey, if you want to do ministry, raise your hand. Yeah. There wasn't anything like that. That was literally the first time the Holy Spirit ever talked to me that mm-hmm. I remember clearly. Wow. And I said, 
the words I said back was, okay, God, I'll lay down what I want you to do, and I'll do that. So, basically, like, you were kind of around God. You weren't, like, a bad kid at any time. You just... But you, you weren't somebody living for the Lord all the time. But yeah. one day, like... And there was no big, like, moment. I guess you could say the mission trip. But really, like, you really coming to learn the real Jesus, learning, like, your Savior was just kind of more random. It wasn't like this one specific like thing. Yeah, it was absolutely random. <laughs> like I went from, the way I said it is, I went from being an idiot that did not love Jesus to an idiot that at least started to kind of love Jesus. <laughs> I didn't, that, that was the change that happened. It wasn't this huge thing. It was just, I, God told me to do something and I said, okay. Yeah, so sure. I, just, I tried to figure it out. <laughs> so yep, it's about eighth or ninth grade and you just, you know, it's not even like, hey, get better with Jesus. God just came in and like, hey, you haven't been living for me, but now you need to do ministry. Yeah, pretty much. That's, that is literally what happened. Okay. Like you have not been living for me, but I want you to start like your, I want your whole life to be about me. So I was like, I don't know. It just meant a lot. God <laughs> asked me to do something. So I was like, sure. Why, why not? Let's do it. Why does God talk to a 14 year old kid? What do you want from me? I don't know. But, okay. And I know as a friend and somebody that knew you around this time, I started to see the life change in you, actually, that, you know, you were kind of, I'll admit it, like, I thought you were kind of like one of the dumb kids. <laughs> but then all of a sudden, you were like a really nice, cool, dumb kid, and you kind of like started to get your life together. Yep. I thought that was really cool to see, but I still wouldn't come to Christ for a while. But you kept doing your thing, and you actually had some of our mutual friends that we're close friends with now. And everybody really started kind of getting go to God in your friend group, which was separate from mine. I think that was really cool to see. And I just want to let you know, like, you were one of the inspirations. Like, I look at you and, you know, Grant, and it's like, dang, there's life change happening to him. And we would become friends later when I would meet Christ kind of like a year or two later. Mm -hmm. And you were really involved with, like, youth and stuff at that time. That was a big part of your life, would you say? Oh, yeah, big time. Um Actually, one of our mutual friends, Darian, was a guy that started getting me to go to like church of my own volition, start going to youth group and things like that. And that was a big step for me. Mm -hmm. I just kind of did my own thing. But getting plugged into a youth group, that was, I mean, that has molded me to who I am today, being in a community like that. And then we all start like we all loved it and we all started getting in it together because it was fun. And I don't know, just it was nice. Free food, hang out with your friends. What more could you want? The, uh, pretty much. The free food, uh, mainly? Well, yeah, like free food. It was something fun to do. Like, we were all there um, at the time. Uh, there were cute girls that went to church, so that was a reason. Um, but uh, You are so thirsty. <laughs> I was. Uh, God bless Mm, God bless that Noah. He needed it. Um, God bless that Noah now, though. Yeah, yeah. But you're doing a lot better. <laughs> you have a, <laughs> you're doing a lot better. But, yeah, um I remember like once I said once I hit high school was when I guess things started to change for me and I, I the idea of being like a leader that's when like my small group leaders would start telling me stuff like Noah like you could be a leader like you could be someone that actually does yeah. what we do for other people it's awesome and it was that time when in my own eyes that's when I had a bigger change is when I started seeing things differently where it's not just take 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 but you can help other people out you know and it was the beginning from people telling you, like somebody giving you that push, somebody urging you on and calling out something in your life that really started to help you with that then, right? Yeah, they like they they saw it in me and believed in it. Like I remember the first time one of my small group leaders named Orlando sat me down in his car. We were getting Taco Bell and he was like, dude, I there's a verse I wanna just I think that hits you and it's first Timothy 4, first Timothy four twelve. Um 
be an example for all believers and speech, love, conduct, faith, purity, um, be a leader. And I, he's like, I see that. And I was, that was cool. No one, had, yeah. no one had ever told me that before. And one thing I remember from our youth, that was a big moment for you. You went on a really big mission trip with One Nation One Day. Yeah. I think that really helped you. What were some of the things like you saw on that that really affected you? Well, I went on this really big mission trip with a lot of people in our church, and there were a lot of my friends that wanted to go, and I it was I was one of the only people in youth that went. So I was with like our youth pastors, leaders, and a lot of older people, and for a whole week I got to hang out with people that were older and smarter than me. And that love God for a lot longer. Yeah. That and watching them do their thing and do ministry in a different country and just observing it and not just observing it, but they're like helping me do it. Yeah. You know, they were helping me walk through like, this is how you do ministry. This is how you minister to people. Like watching and experiencing that, that did a lot for me. And you saw a lot of miracles. I remember you can't, that was one of the biggest takeaways. Like what were some of the, some of those? Uh, I saw people that, couldn't see start seeing i mean people get up and walk one of the big ones that i really that i remember distinctly was this young boy he was like eight and from about since he was a baby he was mute he could not speak and he got healed where he could talk and the first thing i heard him say was gloria dios and that means glory to god and it was just come on actually like observing that and not just reading about it, that yeah. was bonkers. It was, it was bonkers? Absolutely, yes. I, I didn't know how to react Casually to use the word bonkers. I, yes, I did, casually. The Noah translation. <laughs> it was just cool. Like, I, you can't refute or deny that. Yeah. There's nothing you can do that can just, you can't say God's name doesn't do stuff, because it does. That's awesome. That, that was cool. So, after that mission trip, and I see that you know, in your life. And I got to watch you grow up in this. You really start going forward. You're growing more and more in your faith. Uh, after we graduate high school, you took a, you took a different approach than some of us. You stayed home and you decided to go to Bible school. And that was something really fun. We got to grow a lot in that way too. Now we're in the middle of college and then God kind of calls you away to a different place. Where do you, where, where'd you go after that? After, you know, our first year of Bible school back at home and then you left, where'd you go? I went to an internship called Leaders Academy, and it is in Hot Springs, Arkansas, uh, basically the middle of nowhere. It literally is surrounded by pine trees everywhere. Um, and it's like a nine-month discipleship program, basically. And I had been around that place a good bit when I was a kid. Like I did church camp there and different things like that. And I knew some of the people there had some connections. But honestly, that summer before I went, uh, I worked at it. I was a counselor down there at a camp I went to when I was a kid. And at the time, I thought about going down there for it. And I was like, God, I have some money to throw at this. My parents said they'd help out. But I have about six weeks to get $1,500. So you want me down there, you're going to figure it out. Come on. And um, there's this woman. Um, she asked me to not really say her name ever. I never met her. So I'm not going to mention her name. But some woman heard about me through my grandmother that I was like mowing lawns and doing stuff to raise money to do all that. She wrote me a $1,250 check to go there. I've never met her. Come on. To this day, I have never met or seen this woman. I wrote her a letter back telling her thank you. But uh, I woke up one morning. My mom called me and said, hey, come over to Nana Joe's. We have something for you on the way over there. I literally knew like like the Holy Spirit Did they know what it was? Yeah, they knew. Okay. But I hadn't, they didn't tell me. They, okay. they were going to surprise me. But it's like wow. God told me on the way there. Like, I, I just thought to myself, yeah, someone paid for me to go. Mm-hmm. 
I show up there and there's $1,250 checks sitting there. And that fall, I started going to this internship. Yes. And there I was. So Life's going up really big. I mean, from beginning with Christ and just going to youth, you got kept getting called in leadership. You got that awesome mission trip, saw miracles, went to Bible school, grew there in your servanthood, moved to Hot Springs by yourself, really. And God provided money for that. That's awesome. And so right here in life, you're, you've... You could say you were living on like multi-year spiritual high, only progressing, only getting better. I think that's awesome to see. And then around, would you say around this time is when, and the main focal point of what we want to talk about today, life changed. It stopped going up. Um, yeah. What What happened in your life, Noah? In April of 2016, I was near the end of my internship, and my I noticed some issues actually with my vision, uh, the ability to see. Like there's like this blurry spot, and I thought I just needed glasses. I'd had good vision most of my life, so yeah. anyways, I went to the eye doctor and just doing my thing. They're testing me out, and my doctor said I might have this thing called Stargardt's disease, which is an eye disease. I'd never heard of it before, and I started looking into it. He told me I need to get a second opinion, and I went found out it's a I do have what's called Stargardt's. It's a genetic eye disease that um, essentially works like macular degeneration, but it's a non-curable disease. You said one in 10,000 people, right? Yeah, it's one in Mm 10,000. And none of my family had ever had anything like this. No one on either side. It's not genetic then. Well, it is, but, but the way it works is it's two recessive genes in both parents. Wow. I am my mother and father's only son. I have a couple half siblings. They don't have it. So wow. Randy Shock and Karen Nye together with me. And then after that, there's a one in four chance I'm actually going to have the disease. Did you just like name drop and bla- put your parents on blast? Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I put them on blast. It's kind of, <laughs> I can't really be mad at them because it's like, well, you know, I love my parents. I'm not mad that that happened. That's uh, I don't know. I, I I'm glad life is the way it is. Yeah. I guess rather than not living, mm-hmm. not living would suck. So your eyesight's getting bad. How how bad did it get, and how fast did it get like that? So in April of that year, 2016, it was about 2050, I think, when I went into the eye doctor. And I'm not really well knowledge on the numbers on how that all works. Honestly, same. But basically, 2050, you need glasses. Mm-hmm. By the end of 2016, uh, uh, a day before my birthday, actually, I went in to get my eyes looked at again. And at that point, I was at 2200. So my eyesight had rapidly decreased. Wow. Once you hit 2200, you are then legally blind. And that basically means I can get disability from the government. I could call for discrimination at work if I felt like I was being discriminated against. I can't drive my car anymore legally. Like that's when that that's when it hits you. Like that's the real life. You're actually blind. So you would in less than a year, you went from pretty normal vision to can't drive a car legally blind, right? Less than a year. Uh, 2017 is like the very beginning is when I stopped driving my car. At what point? Like from the beginning, do you think you were like rocked or shocked or like, was it now the day before your birthday, this appointment that it like, just like really hit you? Like what is happening to me? Well, honestly, it's a hard question for me because I felt like I was such a leader and because Mm -hmm. I, you know, I have people looking up to me and I've literally put all of my soul and life into becoming what God's called me to be. 
it was hard for me to respond correctly because I felt like I couldn't actually be sad, you know, or like, honestly, I, I wouldn't even know how to be sad about that. I didn't know how to handle any of the emotions that came with that. So when it hit me, it was like these really random little things. It was, Noah, you're not going to get to drive your motorcycle anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, that sucks. So <laughs> That it, sucks a lot. So it was just like a slow push to like this moment of what is wrong. Yeah. Like, what were you talking to God at this point? Because it's definitely something in the beginning you're like, okay, we'll just pray, God. You know, heal my eyes and we'll all be good. And, you know, part of that is like, I can't turn legally blind, but... It got there. What were you saying to God at this time? You know, that first year in 2016, I don't remember too much of how that, because it, it, it just hadn't hit me yet. 2017 is a different, that's a different beast altogether. Uh, that was easily the hardest year of my entire life. Once that year started, I, it probably wasn't until later on in the year that I really started to get into it with God because the core issue, how I felt was like anger anger like i'm mad like god why did you leave me because like that's why that's how i felt like why did you i felt abandoned and i felt like the hard thing is when i watched like was watching all those miracles that was harder for me yeah your whole life has been god can do this miraculous god can and did you feel like he's not choosing me is that how you felt yeah i felt like god like the best way i could say it i felt like god's stepkid like, wow. I felt like I got child support letters from God. <laughs> like, after that, like, the honestly best way I could say it is I felt like I was God's stepchild and he sent me child support, make you feel better sermons or make you feel better worship songs or moments. And I didn't feel like I was really his son, like, legitimately. Wow. Because, you know, it's like how the hard question for me was like, God, I've given my whole life to you. I have laid, I would, I've laid everything down, all of it. Just because you said when I was 14, I want you to do ministry for me. All my high school career, me going to Bible school, like everything was bent on doing your will. And I'm watching these heathen dudes that use terrible language and Mm -hmm. done terrible things and live a very ungodly lifestyle, get healed and get these cool testimony videos. Yeah. And where the heck am I? Yeah. Where's the justice in that? Because that's not, that's not fair. It's unfair. It's not right. Exactly. That's how I felt the whole time. And another way I guess I could say is I felt like I was between a rock and a hard place. Like I know that being ungod, like not being Christian anymore wasn't the answer because I've done that and I've seen it not work. That's not the way to go. But I also felt like I'm stuck at this other place where my reality and God's word do not line up. Yeah. So I'm literally miserable right here because I feel like I'm, I can't be either. Did you ever falter in faith? Did you ever like question the sovereignty and like power of God? Easily, yes. It wasn't necessarily, it wasn't the sovereignty of God. It was the fact that he actually loved me. That's what I questioned. So it's that, it it was almost, God is powerful. God is good. That's no question. It's just, God doesn't want to do it for me. Yeah, that's, I I thought it was me. It was, I, I can't question God. I can't question God being real mm-hmm. and that, like everything I've read and seen to be true, except I could question God's character wow. because to me, God had straight up abandoned me and I'm in the middle of hell. Like this is terrible. Yeah. I'm in my twenties and can't drive my, if I start dating someone, 
she's going to have to drive me and take me up to the front door and kiss yeah. me goodnight. Like, it's not going to be the other way around. She's going to have to walk what? me up to the front door and kiss me goodnight, and then I go in the house. I never thought of that. <laughs> but that's a that's something I was thinking about. It's a lot of your pl- – did your plans change in life? What did you actually start saying, like, I have to do this now. I have to start doing things differently. Did your life plans change from this? Oh, yeah. Uh, In 2017, at the time, I was doing landscaping, and that was just paying my bills. And, um, you know, I was doing what God had told me to do. Still lived in Hot Springs. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, I don't know if I I chose to do this exactly. I, I wasn't really in a place to make choices. I felt like life was just kind of pushing me somewhere, and I was just going with it. Yeah. But um, I moved to Kansas City to go to blind people's school. And that was exactly like it sounded like it's blind people's school. I, I don't know how else to say <laughs> but that. But like, is every, everybody else is more blind than you. Yeah, they were a lot more, they were more blind. Like, they had sticks and dogs. I do not have a stick or dog. You're legally blind. Just, like, yes. technically, like you you just can't do stuff. Whereas mm-hmm. these people, like, can't see. Yes, like, they can't see without their dog walking them around. Yeah, I remember this Kansas City thing was so big, because at first, like, we weren't sure if you were, like, excited or you were kind of sad. You actually... I, Honestly, how were you? Were you excited or sad or kind of confused? It was, yes, confused would be a better way okay. to say it. Because, like, I lived in this really cool part of Kansas City. Uh, if you've ever been there, I lived right by Country Club Plaza. And I got to, whenever I wanted, leave my, oh, I lived in a hotel and extended, say, America for seven months. That was an experience in and of itself. But uh, I could leave my hotel whenever I wanted go down to this really cool shopping area and like basically that was my grounds where I worked stuff out with God for seven months. So life was cool. Reality sucked. Yes. I got to do the really cool like, you know, I've lived in Arkansas most of my life. I got to move to the big city all on my own and do all that. And yeah, it was cool, but I'm also blind and can't drive and poor. So that <laughs> and that sucks. I need more money. Yes. <laughs> but I, I, I had no job. So I got a little bit of money each week and a lot of credit card debt. <laughs> that's so what you, happened. So you go to blind people school. <laughs> the fact that that's what we call it, just blind people school. Blind people school. School for the blind. Yes. Um, <laughs> and what what did you learn there? You because you weren't learning just like ABCs or you weren't even like learning Braille. Well, no, I did learn Braille. Oh, what? you know, know Braille a little, a pretty good bit. There's That's a talent. Yeah, um, I can still read it. It's kind of you difficult. can walk up to bathroom signs and know which one it is by touching it. Honestly, I still don't know what the point of that is because if I'm <laughs> blind and I can't see the bathroom sign, I'm not going to be able to put my hand. Why are you on walking it. to the bathroom by yourself? Get help. <laughs> I know. I've almost walked into a girl's bathroom once, but now I will stare at the man thing and make sure it says <laughs> men for three seconds, and I will tell myself. <laughs> I have to do it for three seconds because I will literally stare and make sure I can tell myself at least two or three times, wow. yes, it says men. Well, what were some of the other things you were learning actually um, in blind people school? Well, I learned like practical life skills about like, you know, cooking. Like I cooked blindfolded. I did laundry blindfolded. Is that learned- like weird since you're only legally blind or like did that actually help you? Oh, it was it was interesting. I cooked spaghetti completely blindfolded, and it wasn't a disaster, and it tasted great. What? So that wasn't a complicated. Could you still do that right now? Yes. Okay. We'll I could talk. do it. Um, I could definitely do it now. But so, like, ladies, he cooks uh, blindfolded. <laughs> um, it's not as hard as you think. Like I did a lot of that stuff, and it was not as hard as I thought it's it like would be. It's like ratatouille. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah I You're ratatouille. <laughs> I am ratatouille. Um, 
But other than that, I, you know, I did mobility. So I crossed a street blindfolded with a stick. That was trippy. Could you get a stick right now if you wanted to? And walk around? Yes. Yeah. I could oh, my it. gosh. We're getting you a stick. And we can do prank videos now. <laughs> uh, I, you have no what The reason I, I, I kept the stick that they gave me is so if I go to an amusement park and need to get somewhere... I, would, I take the stick out and I put my sunglasses on. People will just move out of the way for me. Okay. That's my thought at least. Just And you've talked to me a lot about blind people's school. There's one story that actually – let's keep – I want to finish this at least blind school on a high note. <laughs> um, make it really quick. You had a class photo for blind kids. Yeah. All right. Audience, I'm going to tell you this like I've told other people and kind of perform this. But essentially what happened is I had to take a group photo for bl- with blind people. Just think about that for a second. <laughs> Just think about like a, gr- a normal group photo, but you are with blind people. About thirty of us. If so you're you, blind, don't be offended. <laughs> you, you, I'm, I'm, I'm blind, and if I'm not offended, you can't. Be. <laughs> but you got an entourage of sticks, dogs, and blind. That's that's what you have. <laughs> and this blind lady that was leading us started this whole fiasco with everybody. Please make your way to the yellow umbrella so that we can go take our <laughs> group photo. My first thought was, how she know it was yellow? <laughs> How did they know it was yellow? <laughs> and about 10 seconds later, I realized, oh, we're about to take a group photo. This is about to be the best moment of my life because I realized <laughs> what was about to happen. Because every group photo starts with tall people in the front or in the back, tall people in the front. When that statement was made, nobody moved. <laughs> nobody moved. No one. The second thing I was thinking about was how are they going to know where the camera's at to look at the lens? Because <laughs> even I have issues with that, but like I could still get a general idea. But... There are people in there wearing sunglasses, so how are they going to know? Do you clap? Do you snap? Do you say, hey, look over here? But none of that worked. <laughs> it's about 10 minutes into this, we're still not really able to like get this group photo going well. And there's a professional woman taking this picture. like a, With a long, big camera, the light things going on you is nice. And I, this woman had the worst day of her whole career. The next thing that she said after trying to get us to move and get us in the right spot, people are tripping on dogs and canes. It's a (laughs) terrible experience. She, at peak frustration, finally says, okay, guys, if you can't see the camera, the camera can't see you. (laughs) I don't. That's horrible. it, It was at this moment I realized there's more than one type of blind because you could be socially blind and not understand what's going on because we've been in this <laughs> group so, photo for 15 minutes. <laughs> that's so deep. Um, the best part about it, no one, I, I don't know who was going to see the group photo <laughs> because it was going to be hung up in our blind people's school. But that um, next time you take a group photo, just imagine everyone's blind and you will have the same joy. I <laughs> that's awesome. So blind school either sucked, but it was funny because you weren't blind. You're a bully. <laughs> yes. Uh, when life gives you lemons, so, make lemonade. <laughs> yeah. So life gets on this really crazy path. You're going to blind school. And now we're back home where you stop blind school and you stop other things. You're back in Hot Springs, I guess, just doing ministry now, right? Just honestly, this isn't going to get any better or it could. And let's just live normal life. In fact, you know, at this point, it's been a year and a half to about two years. You've had this vision issue and it kept getting worse at some point. And how, how's it now? Is it getting worse or how's that gone actually? No, actually, praise God. It hasn't gotten any worse since December 6th of 2016. Wow. I went to the eye doctor actually just recently in 2018 near the end. And to both mine and the doctor's amazement, it hadn't gotten worse. So he Um, thought eventually you would be total blind. 
Yeah, uh, there's no way to tell the progression of how this works. I could stay where I'm at till I'm 60. I could be blind, and I could be walking with a stick in a year. There's literally no way to So tell. there's still a chance mm-hmm. that it could get worse, but we're believing and knowing that God is... God is going to restore. Do you act? Do you feel like God's still going to restore it, or do you think this is going to be your life? How do you? What do you tell people when they ask? Even people that don't believe in God, because it's easy for you and me as Christians to be like, "God's healing you. God's going to do better." But really, all God—it seems like God has done is just stop it. But God hasn't healed it. Is that how you feel, or what do you tell people? Even it, especially if they don't know God, you know, it it varies uh, with people that don't know God. I don't want to get like weird and overly spiritual because to me, wait, like, be casually spiritual yeah, casually <laughs> spiritual like Boom. I, I try and be chill about it and i just say like you know like i believe in god and i know god loves me and i've seen him heal people before and i've seen miracles happen and i've read my bible and i know that one day no matter if i'm dead on this earth and i go to heaven and i'm healed or someone prays for me and i'm healed i know what's going to happen so i choose to have a good attitude about my life because that's on me and that's what i tell like that's like my chill answer my really in-depth answer, I won't, you know, go long or get into that, but, you know, when people pray for me, and people still do, and it makes my day when it happens, honestly, because I think my, it's it's just, it makes me happy, but when people pray for me now, and I've got my eyes closed, and everyone's, like, praying for healing on me, what I think about in those moments is I drone all the noise out and everyone talking, and I think about driving my motorcycle. Wow. That's what I think about, honestly. I think about driving my truck like my truck it was a white tundra and i called it this it was like my it was the stallion it was my stallion the, <laughs> i've my, never my, heard no, you call it that it's, that's what uh, i started doing that a little bit after i moved but like that's weird <laughs> uh, it was my it was my noble steed my stallion you are and, uh, you are really into this illustration yes i am <laughs> but um anyways i think about my window down playing my own music driving uh-huh. like no one else in the car and i think mm-hmm. about that and i think about the joy that I'm going to have doing that because I know I will. And I, because I'm a Christian and because God and I are pretty tight now, I, it's like I get the joy of having that now, despite wow. my circumstances. So it's like I get to have that exact same joy and I get all emotional and teary right then and there like, wow. I, like I already have it in my hands because I know I will. One of the biggest things God's done in me is he's told me, like, Noah, don't be a guy that waits at the well. Like that one guy did. Mm-hmm. That, like, you know, the one he was a lame man that just waited at the well for someone to come by and heal him or for the right circumstances to change his life. I'm not going to wait at the well. I will literally sprint down and tackle God out of the sky to get the fullness that he's promised me. That's and awesome. That's the, way, that's the way I choose to see my life. You're so positive now. You're living a normal life. You're you're actually flourishing. You got a job in a call center. Not only did you just get a job, you've been promoted there. Uh, that's awesome. You're some type of manager, which is amazing. You're still confident. You're serving the Lord. You seem more joyful than you were like last two years. Just me being part of your life. I know that. How do you do that in in the in the face of I haven't gotten better physically? Really, it's still a struggle to do normal things every day. How, and you just gave that whole like speech really on how you're feeling on like what you think and what you're reaching for. But how do you do that? Noah? how do you stay positive? How are you staying so joyful in the face of this? Cause it's easy for someone to say, yeah, he's not getting better. What the heck God, how have you stayed at this level? You know, that's a funny question. 
Well, not funny. It's it's just hard, kind of hard to answer because I don't have a formula. I literally have wow. There's no, you know, one, two, three answer to it. And I don't know how to give the five-point sermon. I don't know if I'll ever be able to, honestly, give a five-point <laughs> sermon on how to handle that. Dang. Um, but what I do know is that when I was in Kansas City and I walked around the plaza all the time where I was at, God literally met every single one of the issues I had with him, and he met me there and with all the issues I had. Because it wasn't just my eyesight going away. It was my whole walk with him that was challenged, like yeah, dealing with, okay, my eyesight isn't healed, so what the heck? I don't feel free from this addiction and or this thing, or I still feel insecure here. Mm-hmm. I still have these abandonment issues. Like all my everything in my life got questioned. So it's not just my eyesight; it's like everything. And God choosing it's me coming to the realization that God chose to walk life out with me first. Wow! Not me choosing like to be a Christian or answer like, "Yeah, I want to do ministry." God literally chose me, mm-hmm. knowing everything. Like, it was with that reckless love he so loved me that I'm going to give to my wife one day or to my my sons and my daughters one day or to my friends around me now. Like, it's because of him. And I I don't know, like, when I started to realize that, that God does not care about what I've done or what I've said to him or what I've said to other people, like, he when he threw all that aside and just wanted to spend his time with me, like... I don't know. That's when my life started to get different. It's I had companionship with God, and it's the most satisfying thing I've ever had in my life. So you're saying, honestly, through this tough time moving to Kansas City, your faith grew from it. Yeah. <laughs> Ironically, yes, it did. I did not. Every morning I wake up with the same blurry spot, and I know everyone kind of wakes up with their same issues. Mm-hmm. Every, like, everyone has a thorn somewhere, and you wake up with it, and you go to sleep with it. And it's, I make the same choice every day, whether I can be frustrated about it and let it get to me or let it not. But I don't know. God's always right there with me to help me not see life in a bad attitude. That's awesome. With something like this, people are always going to say a verse to stand on. Um, are you, are you at that level? Would you say walk by, or see, walk by <laughs> yeah. faith, not by sight? Yo. Do you use that? Yo, my mom texted me a picture of that verse one day and said, Noah, this is your tattoo verse. <laughs> My own mother did that. Is that to offensive me. more? Or do you like that? Uh, it's true. <laughs> I, honestly, it is. Like life, something I choose to like. I see the uh, something I see. Ironically, is life is more than what's just in front of you, more than what you see. Yeah. Um, I choose to see this differently because I've got the God of the universe literally as my best friend. That's, literally. So that's such I, a cool thing. Noah, at the end of your life. Whether you get back to like, you know, normal vision without glasses, if say you get there or say you never do, but you live this faithful life and you do great things for God, whether or not you're healed, I know you're going to do great things for God. I see that in your life. The leaders called out. I'll call you out. I hope people that listening to this see this, but say you get to the end of your life and you make it to heaven and your life is put on for an example there's supposed to be a moral to it, a story. What, in just like a sentence or like a quick phrase, what was the purpose of your life that you wish, that you hope people see, that you think God is working on? You know, right now, I 
I'd probably say God can love anyone and can make anyone their own hero. Mm-hmm. Um, that's cool. God can love anyone and can make anyone mm-hmm. their own hero because that's that's all I've ever wanted to be for people. I guess is just to uh, be that guy that can come in and like rescue people or help people or save someone's day and be like this is gonna sound cheesy, but be a, a, a friend a um, a friendly neighborhood Spider Man for someone. <laughs> that's cheesy, but honestly, that's if you could sum up what I want to do with my life, it'd be that. Wow. Like ministry and stuff is cool and giving sermons is cool, but honestly, I just want to be someone that's there for other people when they need it because that's what I've needed. Yeah. Is people that were there for me in my darkest hour. And that's what God's been for me and that's what I want to be for people. So I guess if my legacy on this earth it would just be that God can love literally anyone and he can make anyone their own hero. Yeah anyone doesn't matter who you are well hey no i'm so glad i got the opportunity to sit down and let you share your story with people i hope you know somebody gets something out of this because you know star guards that's something a lot of us most of us will never connect with it's hard to understand what you're going through we can be there for you but i know as your friend it's something that's been hard to you know Stand by. I pray for you. I love you. But it's, you know, I can never really say, like, I know what you're going through because that's something crazy. But I'm so glad you're able to share with us. You know, everybody that's listening to this, you know, be in prayer for Noah. Have that joy for him. And, you know, we're believing that he's going to do great things, that he will be healed. And I think that's something awesome. Noah, any final words, anything you want to say? Um. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, I love the whole idea behind this podcast. It's really cool. Uh, seriously, like I, since the moment you told me about it a while ago, I've always been like, "This is, yeah, this is different." I really like it. If we like you and what you're doing, you're a pretty fun, cool guy. <laughs> we won't talk you being blind, but you play video games. You're a great youth leader. How can we connect with you? You mainly only use like one or two social medias, but how can we connect with you? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram. I don't post a ton, but I do every now and then, so you can do that. Or we can, you um, know, send you messages yeah, for you. Hit see, them up if you're cute and single. Yeah, I'm, what's your I'm, what's your I'm handle? That. Uh, it's just my it's just my name. So Noah underscore R underscore Shock. It's all lowercase. R for Randall. R, R for Randolph. Chill with that. Ran- Randolph. I'm sorry. <laughs> Randolph. I think Randall might get it right. <laughs> it's actually worse. So uh, you at, follow me on Insta. If you really want to do something cool, I have a Spotify account that I run called The Vessels, and it's all about finding. Is cool that still cri- active? Yeah, I didn't um, know that. Yeah, I've got. I've tried to change it up a good bit, but I basically like to find cool Christian music that people w- might listen to. And if you ever like, you know, want to find some new stuff, follow it on Spotify and let me know your feedback. But uh, we can talk about music or whatever. Message me, talk to me. I don't care. I'm I'm good at making friends. I guess. <laughs> all right. Well, everyone. That's how you connect with Noah. See the vessels on Spotify or follow Noah underscore R underscore shock on Instagram. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening. Bye, y'all. Thank you for having me. That was so much fun. Noah is one of my best friends, as I bet you can tell at this point. And yeah, he's going through something hard, but every day that I get to talk to him and do life with him, I'm reassured of his faith, and it definitely strengthens mine. I hope this helped you to know that if Noah, someone that's going through something that we can't relate to, something that hard, 
if he can still make jokes and smile in his everyday life, that you can do that as well, no matter what you're going through. So you know God is going to come through on the other side. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Casually Spiritual Podcast. If you like this episode and want to hear more, follow, subscribe, and leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and support us by sharing on social media. To stay up to date, follow us on Instagram at Casually Spiritual, on Twitter at This Is The CSP, and leave us a like on Facebook. Until next time, thanks for listening to the Casually Spiritual Podcast. Now he's one of my better friends. Shisha! Shisha! <laughs> um, yeah, to be there. This ain't Song of Solomon, chill. Nobody, but no, that's a very passionate time. It, well, it was a ste- steamy, was the word I would use. Like a bun, like a flock of sheep. It's your boy Randolph, and this is the casual. Not, no, <laughs> <laughs> we can include it later, but that's not it's part your of the boy actual intro. Randolph, Jesus. it's your boy. His dad was gonna name him Presto. <laughs>